Hi everyone and a very warm welcome to this episode of the Learning Journeys podcast from Lacuna Learning. We hope you're all keeping well and in this episode we are delighted to be joined today by Sarah Dixon, now Sarah Monahan, all the way from Hong Kong. Although she is originally and very proud to come from Burnley, so she would get that in later on anyway. Uh, Sarah's had an amazing career. I'll start with her rugby stuff. She represented GB Women at the Rugby League World Cup in 2003. Uh, she was also a 100 meter sprinter and once very proudly represented Lancashire. She may put that in the podcast. She then switched codes and countries and became a Scottish international 15s and 7s player until her knees gave up. Uh, she's also a very proud former Stirling County player. In terms of her professional career, uh, she did a lot of work for Sports Scotland, which is around the time that I met her, uh, running this uh, high-performance coach development programme called Coaching Matters. She then did work at Inverclyde and as a partnership manager for high-performance coaching before taking up a role as a high-performance advisor at Sport Wales. She then, I guess, came home and came back to Scottish Rugby to take on a job as performance pathway manager for women and girls uh, before moving out to Hong Kong with her husband. I met Sarah as I took on the Coaching Matters role um, and Sarah was my predecessor. She then became my office buddy and training and lunching partner in crime at Stirling University for a number of years. Uh, she is someone who's had a really positive influence on me and my development and always makes me laugh. So while I am slightly worried about where this one could go, I'm just absolutely thrilled to have her along to share her journey. So thanks for your time, Sarah. Thank you for inviting me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Sarah. So, by way of warming us up today, and I know you won't disappoint us, but you do live out in Asia, so this could be quite quite cool, actually. The regular feature on the pod, if you can go on an adventure anywhere in the world, where would you go, who would you go with, and what would you do? Good question. I um, gave this a little bit of thought in advance. Um, but yeah, I'm, I suppose, quite new to living in Asia, being in Hong Kong for just over a year now. And there's so much to explore. It's actually pretty amazing. Um, I would definitely pick to go back to Japan. I was there for one day and a half um, during the Rugby World Cup last year, but really want to go back to the Olympics next year. Um, so I'd go there and then explore some of what Japan has to offer, but also make sure I'm seeing a lot of the athletics and the rugby in the Olympics and the Paralympics. Um, and I would definitely take all my friends uh, from back in Scotland and the UK because I really miss them. Not seen a lot of them since moving to Hong Kong. And I'd definitely take you as well, Dougie Boy, because I think we'd have a lot of fun. And I'd take my husband, Ian, as well. Let's not forget about him. Oh, very good. I'm honoured to be on that list. So I've done quite a few podcasts now and you're the first person that said they would have taken me with them. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not a great endorsement, really. Top of the list. For Top me. of the list. And I love that it came in before your husband as well. That, that's great. I'm sure he'll be really <laughs> happy about that. Right. Yeah. So somewhere along the line, you ended up in Hong Kong doing your job you do now. But some stuff happened first, right? So let's go right back to the beginning. I've said you're from Burnley and very proudly from Burnley. How did your journey into sports start and where did it go for you? Um, yeah, I think I've always been quite sporty, definitely been the thing that I felt sort of most confident doing. Never really entered a lot of different sports, but just like to uh, run around and ex expend a lot of energy and play in team sports. So it, I suppose it was always quite natural um, when there was a, a little guy that came along to school to try and start this after school rugby club. So like, what is this rugby all about? Sounds a bit weird. <laughs> um, it's quite new in those times. 
for women to be playing rugby and he did his best to try and get people sort of involved in that and I suppose that was it for me really just kind of going along to those sessions and, and trying that sport out and I think through that just I suppose built a lot of confidence to try other sports over my time and ultimately decide I really wanted to kind of work in sport as a profession go on to study at university and so on so I suppose it was really about positive first experiences back at school and opportunities to really progress outside of school as well through local clubs and so on and I don't know I just think I uh, wasn't very great at a lot of subjects at school but for me like sport was just the one where um, the people that I met I just felt sort of more like-minded to myself always up for a laugh, wanted to learn and challenge themselves and try new things. And for me, that just sort of really resonated. So it's always been sport for me. I've always felt I'd work in the sporting industry, never really knew what I'd be doing. And always been quite open just to see where things take me. And a lot of the time just sort of say, yes, uh, I'm up for that. I'll give it a try. And uh, so far, so good, actually. It's, it's worked out pretty well. Obviously, made a couple of mistakes here and there, but all ones that you can learn from. And, and build on and yeah I'm, st I'm still in it and hopefully be in it for the rest of my career definitely something related to sport I love that even after all these years your unbridled enthusiasm and passion for it is, is still bubbling away you said something really interesting there this idea of positive first experiences um, a colleague and friend of ours Matt Locke always talks about if, um, if you teach someone to ski on a beautiful clear sunny day they'll love it for life and it's the same in everything you do and the same in mentoring and the same in coaching. If that positive first experience is great, then they're going to love it for life. So there was obviously something about that first experience that I guess sparked a passion or a fire or something in you. Where did that lead you in terms of, of your rugby career? I suppose it was just being part, of, initially it was being part of this um, little new team. It was called Pendle Panthers. I always give it a shout out because for me, it's really important. Um, that was really the team that got me, you know, really stuck into rugby and taught me a lot and made some really good friendships. So it was really that, it was that sense of being part of a team. We always struggled for players. So we were always playing with a couple of players, you know, with a couple of players short. So you always had to work a little bit extra hard. So for me, that was pretty exciting. Um, just playing with a range of different individuals, all different shapes and sizes, personalities, attitudes, and actually just a lot of, you know, a lot of these key things, I think it taught you to be able to work in a team environment, to stand up for yourself. Um, if you ever got into a tricky situation on the pitch and then having teammates also, you know, look, having your back and looking out for you as well. So I think really for me, it taught me that personally, I really enjoy being in a team environment and working closely with others that offer something different to myself terms of different skills and personalities and knowing you can always learn a lot from from them and just have a lot of fun along the way as, you, as you're learning you know from from things that go well and things that don't go as well so I think for me it was just that you know that sense of definitely belonging in some sort of team environment whatever that was and I think probably that led me on to seeking those types of I suppose professional working opportunities. So it's, it's kind of really funny listening to you now that <laughs> you would be forgiven for thinking you just messed about and chucked the ball around a bit and messed around with your mates and you know all those really wonderful positive experiences but you were of course not bad at rugby right so how did little Sarah messing about with Pendle Panthers find herself on the GB Women's Senior Rugby League World Cup team how did how did that story play out I really don't know I mean uh, 
I suppose I um, I was always quite fast and wanted to think do things quite quickly, which actually, you know, at school and in my early years wasn't always a positive. Always got sort of picked on by teachers for trying to like rush things and not necessarily do them very well. But actually in rugby, it paid off in a sense. I suppose I worked out what I was okay at and what I offered to the team. I was also well aware of the certain things I wasn't as good at, like the more skillful side. But actually I realised, you know, I had a bit of gas and um, enjoyed running around people at times and I enjoyed the contact. So I think it was just sort of seizing different opportunities, like always a little bit of a show off too. So if we ever played any games where there was a bit more of a crowd, I'd put on a bit more of a show with my friends. And really we were just forming this new team and just having a lot of fun, if I'm being honest. And around that time, I think, they were growing rugby in that area in Lancashire and in England and, and GB. So the various coaches and scouts were quite active looking at all these different clubs and just seeing if there's any sort of young players out there that, that could develop into good rugby players. So I would say I was that. I was I had a lot to learn. I was very raw. Um, but I think there's an element of also being in the right place at the right time around the right people. So I think it was just that really had a couple of games and there were a few scouts there that were just sort of looking out and had a couple of conversations with me and invited me along to training. I remember feeling incredibly nervous and very out of my depth and very intimidated by people around me that were excellent at rugby, really understood the game, strong, powerful, confident women, really impressive individuals and being quite young. I was 16 at the time, quite small and skinny, actually. Quite ironic now after living in Hong Kong for a year. But um yeah, and I think it was just that. It was really, I suppose it's similar for a lot of athletes out there. It's just, you've got to take your break where you can. And um, I was just enjoying the game of rugby and there was an opportunity to try and progress that and develop my skills, which I took. But looking back now, yeah, very nerve-wracking time for me. Um, I would I would dread the week leading into camps because I was very much out of my comfort zone. But I think that definitely helped me develop more confidence off the pitch as well in other sort of situations. So yeah, I suppose it's just a willingness to uh, make the best of, of what you can and take those opportunities and really just have fun. And for me, that's been, the, the, I suppose, the, the common message throughout my rugby career. It's just I've always really, apart from that first bit, I've talked about being quite nervous, but actually when I was at training and with the girls, like actually had a really good time training hard and learning, um, learning from others, learning from coaches, players, peers, and just um, also off the pitch, having a good laugh and developing some good friendships. And that's, that's I suppose, how it took off for me, really, just being up for it and uh, <laughs> and willing to learn and grow. Yeah. Well, obviously, that mindset and that attitude stood you in pretty good stead because only really a few years later, you found yourself playing a different code, so playing rugby union north of the border, and then going on to represent Scotland at 15s and 7s. What was that like, that journey from league to union, but also competing for different countries? I think it was, it was really exciting when I moved to Scotland. There was what felt like a really good setup. It felt quite professionalised. Um, back in the day with the GB setup, sort of a lot of homemade fundraising efforts to try and you know get your tracksuit, get off to the World Cup. We had to raise our own money to help pay for our flights. So going from that to what felt like a, a much more professional setup in Scotland. And at the time, Scotland women were doing really well. Good coaching setup and some really great players. And I remember at Stirling Uni, uh, our favourite university, 
um, when I was sort of playing there, just watching some of the internationals and watching some of the girls in awe and realising how far I would have to sort of progress to even have a chance of getting involved in that. So I think that was quite exciting for me, seeing, um, I suppose, what was possible from female rugby players at the time. And um, Scotland were travelling a lot, playing in various World Cups at the time and uh, had a very kind of quite a deep squad um, with lots of good players. So I suppose it spurred me on a little bit too, or quite a lot actually, to develop my skill set, which needed a lot of development. <laughs> you know, work, work on the strengths that I did, had, so work on my speed and things like that, and just learn a bit more about playing rugby union, which is quite different to rugby league. Rugby league um, was quite aggressive. And yeah, just I suppose rugby union is as well. But um, just I think you've got to have a really good understanding of, of the laws and the way the game is played. And I, I suppose I spent a little bit of time sort of studying that, watching a bit more and um, and just sort of thinking of what are the good elements that I can bring from rugby league into rugby union. Um, but it wasn't a smooth transition. At first, I, I suppose I spent more time focusing on my athletics, got selected into various things, but also got deselected and got given feedback to go and work on things and improve and come back, which I did. And it was, I suppose, really through different sevens tournaments. I got a bit of a break, got a chance to sort of, yeah, I suppose, learn from playing alongside some of the best in Scotland and playing against some of the best in the world. And and that really sparked off a motivation to book my ideas up and train really hard and try and give myself a chance of earning selection at some stage. So what, it wasn't it wasn't smooth. No, and it, of course it never is, right? I'm really interested in so much of what you said there. I got this real sense of you kind of studying the game, becoming a student of the game, and I love this idea of working out what are some of the good elements from league that you can bring to Union. I'm wondering if, I know we have some rugby listeners at home, if there's any of the things you could maybe expand on a little bit there in terms of things you learned from league that you then applied to playing in Union. I think in league, you um, you aren't gifted possession and you only get a few chances before you've got to turn the ball over. So you've got to make sure they count. In Union, you could potentially have the ball for a long period of time and not do a lot with it. So I think for me, I, I definitely took that part across is, you know, whether it's on the rugby pitch, or whether it's in life, sometimes you don't get a lot of opportunities to do good things. and But when they do come, you need to really make the most of that and have a real goal. So I think it was, you know, a bit of confidence when you do have the ball on the pitch or you do have a chance to beat a team that, you think you can beat or really compete against you you just give it your all and, and you go for it rather than thinking you know you've got 80 minutes to try and achieve something so I think it took that and a bit of physicality as well a bit of that sort of Lancashire um, you've got to be tough to kind of um, <laughs> play rugby league and survive in that area against some uh, older very physical strong impressive female rugby players so there's a bit of that I think and a bit of that feeling, that sense of being an underdog, which I think you can really turn into your advantage and use that as a bit of a USP. And I think at Scotland at that time we did. We knew we were the underdogs. And I think if you, I suppose, flip that into a into a positive and think like, right, if we can go against these guys and I suppose really challenge them, uh, they're not necessarily going to expect that of us and they're not going to necessarily know what we are going to do. There's that sense of a bit of the unknown and, and and really use that to your advantage. So I think a bit of all of that, really, taking that across to Union. But it, it was really enjoyable. I think 
I think it's quite an exciting time for an athlete when they do pick up a new a new sport or a variation of a sport. I think it's quite nice being new to something and, and being able to be a real student of the game. I think it's quite different when you're nearing the end of your career and people expect you to know everything and have all the answers. So actually looking back, I really enjoyed that period of um, not knowing an awful lot and being able to really learn without the pressure of, you know, other coaches, teammates expecting you to sort of, you know, always lead them or always have the answers. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things I want to circle back around to, but I'll, we'll come back to one of them in a minute. I guess I'm really interested, you know, you then had this really interesting professional career that actually ran in tandem with your rugby career because you were doing both at the same time. Now, you then made the journey back to working for Scottish Rugby. I'm dead interested, given that you had a really different background, that like you didn't play union from a very young age and all the rest of it, and you, you'd worked with different sports and been in different environments and seen different things. When you came back to working in in women's sport, in women's uh, rugby in Scotland, what were some of the things you tried to take from your own experiences to try and enhance the experience of, of girls and women coming through those those pathways? I think I think we phrase that is perfect in the sense you've said pathways, and I think that was the big thing is just realizing there's no one pathway to success, and actually you can pick a sport up at a later age, you can transfer across from another sport, you could be playing a sport all your life, and it um, it's making sure you don't miss out on some players that could be amazing in a national jersey because you've only got one route to get there, or you sort of put an age next to something and by this age you should have achieved x y and z so I think the big thing for me is recognizing that there's a lot of talent out there and it might not already be you know it might be a plate an athlete sorry that's not already playing rugby and just making sure that there's opportunities for them to get into rugby to like come and try or to come along to a trial so I suppose what we did first was try and really open that out and have a very broad talent ID process where we put messages out to say, if you've got one of these different strengths or skills, come along. And some of these were like, it could be speed, it could be hand-eye coordination. Uh, we put on there, it could be teamwork you know, or a communicator. So if you think you've got one or above, one or more of the above, we'd love to see you. And actually, for me, that was was pretty cool to see all these different types of players come forward and say yeah I want to have a shot at trying to get into uh, one of our pathway programs so I think I kind of took that from my experiences I also think when you're a younger player playing in a, a more adult environment it can be quite intimidating so back in the day when I was playing for GB I only played for about six months to be honest because it, it was it was short-lived but I was 16 turning 17 in a, in a female sort of adult environment and it was pretty scary, as I sort of mentioned. So I think the big thing I took there was just this opportunities to support transitioning players, whether it's through mentorship, whether it's just through having a couple of leaders or buddies within the team that can look out for someone. And particularly someone that's, say, coming from a sort of an area in Scotland that necess- doesn't necessarily produce a lot of rugby players. It could be someone that's travelling by themselves, you know, 100 miles to come along, um, and they're the only one from their rugby club. And how, how daunting that can be and how impressive at the same time it is that someone's taken that step. So I would say that those two things, the second being support young players coming into a more senior environment or someone that's not being used to that, you know, and, and explain the expectations and, and also provide a bit of additional support around them. Because we're not all one model, you know, we're all very different. How you learn and you develop in a, is different to me, Dougie, and we just need to make sure 
that we are providing that because we can't afford to lose anyone out of the sport. So there were a couple of things I'd say that I sort of focused on that were, you know, die a result of my learning and experiences as a player. Do you know this is becoming a thing on the podcast? It's usually about this exact point into the podcast where I'm going to tell the listeners to rewind two minutes and listen back because there was so much in there. He's talked about there being no pathway to success, or no one pathway to success, rather, um, and not missing out on players because they don't fit the mould. I mean, very often the best players are the best players because they don't fit in the mould, they are a bit different. I love that idea, though, of rather than do you meet all these criteria, do you meet one of these criteria? Because one of those might be the thing we don't have right now or the thing we really need, and I love that. A friend of mine always said this, this kind of, I suppose, idea of men and women have different attitudes to applying for jobs even, that if a man meets one criteria for a job, he'll probably apply. If a woman doesn't have one criteria for a job, she won't bother applying. And it's kind of, you've yeah. kind of seized upon that idea and said, well, have you got one of these? We'll take a look at you and see what we can do with you. And I just, I kind of love that idea. And it, and it worked really well as well. I mean, if you've got your coaches on board as well and you say, actually, we're looking for a super strength and we can develop that as a super strength and build all the other stuff around it. I think it's just a much more positive way to look at things rather than saying, oh, you've come along to something, you don't tick all these boxes, this is why you're not getting selected. So I think you're right. I think it's really important, particularly particularly, sorry, in, in women's sport and in, in, in women's professions, as you say, there is some evidence to say that sometimes we might you know, uh, remove ourselves from these opportunities because we don't feel we tick every box. So we do as much as we can to try and flip that around uh, and and remove some of those barriers and just, you know, give people the confidence to have a go. I mean, there's so many great things in this podcast. One thing you said earlier was seeing what was possible from women at that time. And one of the threads I get from listening to you today, Sarah, is like almost that like you didn't realise what was possible until you got there each time. And you were like, oh, actually, yeah, I could do this. And yeah, all right, I'll have a go at that and have a go at this and keep going. I'm interested, and this is a hard question. If you could go back oh, and don't do ask me then. <laughs> if you could go back, <laughs> I only want easy ones. And do it all over again. Is there anything you might have done differently that people might learn from? Uh, the answer always has to be yes. I mean, there is. There's lots. There's so much. I think it's just sometimes um, when you do get opportunities afforded to you, it can feel like things are happening quite quickly to you, and you can feel a bit out of control. And then once you do retire, you sort of miss all of that and it feels quite quiet and you might lose a little bit of your own identity. I think for me, it was just, if I was to go back and do it all again, take a bit more time to kind of really seize the moment and seize the opportunities, whether that's if you're playing for a team or a sport and you get to travel and you get to, you know, experience different cultures, or whether it's you're a key part of a team and you've got this bunch of uh, friends, almost a family around you, really, you know, sees that I think it's that I think it's we are on this planet for quite a short time and I think when you are in sport you're pretty lucky that you do get some really cool opportunities and uh, some of them are quite scary at the time um, because they might push you a little bit out of your comfort zone or you might feel you're young or too inexperienced to do it but I think for me it's always say yes first and then make sure you've got a bit of time to really make sense of it and appreciate it and learn from it. And I think there was a period where things moved quite fast for me and it just sort of went through the motions, but actually reflecting back quite a short career. So you don't want to miss out on anything, um, whether that's something you can learn from or just 
help you develop as a, as a person and help develop your personality and your confidence. So I think it's just that, just almost at times take a moment, whether it's take yourself away from the situation and just reflect and have a few seconds off to think, actually, this is pretty cool that I'm here in this moment wearing this jersey or have a chance to train or play for this particular team and take that with you. And I think then in life, you just appreciate things a bit more uh, rather than taking them for granted. So I'd, I'd say that just a bit more time to let it all seep, you know, seep in. And yeah, I suppose that's it, Debbie. Yeah. There's lots of others as well, but we've only got, this is only a short podcast, really. <laughs> yeah. And you very helpfully signpost at the end of the podcast. So that, that, that's great. Thank you very much. <laughs> you have a gift for summarizing, Sarah. You always have. So thank you for summarizing so beautifully there. I just want to highlight a couple of things for the listeners at home, things that they might just want to reflect upon and, and take forward. This idea of positive first experiences, I think that's just such a simple thing, but for me, it's it's just always comes back around. So what's the quality of the experience we're providing? And you clearly have this amazing, very humble beginning of this just messing around with rugby and playing the game a bit and learning about the game and running around, but it made a huge difference. I got this, uh, one thing you said quite a few times is just say yes. And if I were to summarize you in a, in a nutshell, that would probably be the sentence. Um, <laughs> that just comes to mind. I loved you talking earlier about just seeing what was possible from women at that time, seeing what women were capable of, and rather than thinking this is how women play the game, this is what they do, saying well, let's break all those rules and see what women are actually capable of if we give them the right opportunities and support and coaching and all that sort of stuff. There's no one pathway to success. I just love that. I thought it was, thought it was great. And then just your last point there about taking a bit more time to seize opportunities, and even if they're a bit scary at the time, just just always always say yes first. I'm reminded of something that I was taught many years ago, which is from an individual sport, which is when you cross the finish line of a race, capture that snapshot because the instant that moment is over, you're going to start dissecting and analysing that performance to the nth degree. But for a brief moment, it's perfect. And you need to just capture that moment, those beautiful moments in sport that we have that are just worth kind of holding on to. Sarah, we'll have to get you back, I think, because that was way too much fun and uh, we could have gone anywhere really with that. I'd love to come back anytime. People will definitely want to know more about you. Where can they keep up with what you're up to? And, and could you maybe tell us a little bit about what you're currently doing in Hong Kong? Yeah, I am currently working at a fantastic rugby club called Hong Kong Scottish. Uh, in my mind, it's the, definitely the best one in Hong Kong and worldwide. And um, yeah, I'm general manager there. So I kind of manage the day-to-day operations of the club, which is really exciting role it covers every aspect from sort of signing players and coaches to finances and marketing and uh, managing memberships and everything in between so it's really great for me to get experience doing all those different things and working closely with the board here it's really really enjoying that if you want to follow me my personal Twitter and Instagram is pretty average. So I'd suggest you gave us a follow at Hong Kong Scottish. It's much more interesting. There's lots more activity there. You'll get us at Hong Kong or HK Scottish is our tag on Instagram and Facebook if anyone wants to give us a follow. Great. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't post a lot on her personal Twitter, so I probably wouldn't bother, but I will put a link to Hong Kong Scottish. Really boring. Hong Kong Scottish in the description for the podcast. There's loads in there. I encourage you all to just pick out some some of those gems that she shared today. Um, Sarah, thanks so much for your time. Really, really grateful. Everyone, keep an eye out for future podcasts and hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss out. And obviously, everyone, for just now, please, everyone, stay safe. Mm-hmm.